Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cheese Steaks and Sour Love Podcast. My name is Dylan Count Crowley. And in today's episode, we got to sit down and talk with uh, Phillies Nation editorial director uh, Tim Kelly about the Phillies' upcoming season here. Uh, we originally recorded this last Friday, uh, and Austin was part of this interview. Unfortunately, after the interview is over, we found out that Austin's part uh, using the software we used to record did not record correctly. And uh, actually, after the final 10 seconds, it seemed to fail to record at all. Uh, that being said, at parts of this interview, you're going to hear me come in and just uh, briefly uh, restate the question or whatever Tim was about to talk about. Uh, so uh, please excuse us and bear with us in those uh, times where the conversation does not seem to flow and I more just interject what is about to be discussed. Uh, but uh, either way, we think this interview came out great and we hope you guys enjoyed. And we're joined by Tim Kelly, the editorial director at Phillies Nation. Thanks, Tim, for joining us uh, today. Uh, I guess starting off, uh, how are you? And uh, you excited for baseball to be back? I am. I, I've enjoyed this week of back to press conferences, and I'm definitely I'm not a huge fan of spring training baseball, but it, it's a good sign of things to come. Uh, absolutely, and hopefully uh, the weather up here uh, can uh, start settling down. Getting tired of all this snow, I'd like some uh, baseball weather to start popping up. Uh, but uh, yeah, so thanks again for joining us here. Uh, let's dive right into this. Uh, this Phillies team is coming off a disappointing 2020 campaign. Uh, they missed the playoffs again. Uh, haven't made it since 2011. Uh, it was a busy off season for the club. They Saw changes in the front office. Saw uh, Dombrowski make uh, quite a few signs as well, uh, picking up uh, veterans and journeymen to try and fill out this roster. Also, re-signed their top two free agents. But as we sit here today, how would you grade this offseason for the Phillies in terms of overall success, filling their needs, and would you say that in your mind they've improved from wh- where they were when we last saw them in the fall? Yeah, I think so. They added a bunch of proven relief options, and they also added multiple starters that can eat innings, which is going to be really important. And then most notably, they re-signed JT Realmuto and DD Gregorius. I wasn't sure at the beginning of the offseason they'd re-sign either. I definitely didn't think they would re-sign both. So you have to view it as pretty successful. Uh, I 100% agree. Uh, well, talking about... Uh, those signings, the, uh, especially in the bullpen. Uh, obviously, the bullpen last year was a major concern. Uh, it was, uh, I forget the exact statistic, but legitimately one of the worst bullpens we've ever seen in baseball history. They've addressed that with uh, guys like Bradley, Alvarado, Kinsler, Coonrod, just some notable names. Uh, that being said, the starting pitching outside that top three in uh, NOLA, Wheeler and Eflin, it's still a bit of a question at that four and five spot. Do you think the options they brought in this spring training could end up being enough for that rotation to compete over a full 162 game season to have the Phillies in this race late September? Yeah, I do think it's certainly possible. You're operating under the assumption that Zach Eflin doesn't regress, which I don't know that that's necessarily a a set-in-stone thing. But uh, assuming that, 
Yeah, I mean, you've got Chase Anderson, who until last year had had a few pretty solid seasons in a row. Matt Moore, obviously they saw something in him in Japan that they think he's kind of reinvented himself and is going to be able to have success. Vince Velasquez, for as frustrating as he is, will give you innings as a number five starter. And he's someone that uh, people still kind of grade him as the ace we thought he could potentially be, and he's not that. But he is someone that has given you some innings and some occasional good starts out of that number five spot. And then you also have Spencer Howard. So they, they have options back there. And here we have our first uh, cutout of an Austin question. But uh, right here, Austin was asking Tim uh, his thoughts on Spencer Howard going into the season after Howard's debut last season, the ups and downs he had, and what we should expect out of Howard in 2021. Yeah, I think Spencer Howard is someone that maybe wasn't as uh, exciting as people anticipated initially. I still feel pretty strongly that he's going to be a good pitcher if he can stay healthy in the long run. One of the things that's crucial, though, he only threw 24 and a third innings, I believe, last year. So they need to really manage that workload. So truth be told, I I think you'll see flashes from Spencer Howard this year. But next year is kind of the year where you, you really will get to see a full season of him, I think. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, do you think with Howard, this is uh, maybe a potent, there's potential that he could uh, start the season in AAA uh, rather than Philly? Well, I think one way or another, they're going to manage it. And right now, if I had to make a guess, I would guess he's not in the rotation to begin the season. That may mean extended mm-hmm. spring training. Triple A satellite squad. They could use him in the bullpen. There's a, a bunch of different opportunities uh, or options. He Joe Girardi said all the right things that he's kind of competing for that spot. At, at some point, though, you're going to have to manage his innings, and uh, I, I think what that means is you'd be a lot smarter to do that at the beginning of the season, so you don't run into any issues in the second half of the campaign. Absolutely. Question number two from Austin here was, uh, with the Phillies spending all the money they have so far this offseason, including the signings of JT Romito and Didi Gregorius, uh, does Tim see the Phillies going after any other uh, players here uh, in, as we enter spring training, or do they, does he think they're mostly done uh, heading into the season? Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll make another minor league deal with the spring training invite type deal. But I, I think for notable moves, they probably are done. And uh, for all the worrying that there was at the beginning of the offseason, I think it was justified worrying. The Phillies made a lot of different moves this offseason and have set themselves up to be a contending team. And here, Tim's about to answer uh, Austin's question regarding if there's any specific positions the Phillies may look at. Uh, no, nothing specific. I, I think center field remains a, a question mark, and you're going to have to figure that out, whether it's Scott Kingery, Adam Hazley, um, Roman Quinn, potentially Odubel Herrera, some combination of all four. You're going to have to figure that out. But the other eight or the other seven spots in the lineup are, are really good, solid players. Yeah, I, I wanted one last uh, question with center field. Uh, and maybe. It's not even about what they have. Do you think? What do you think were the was the reasons that they didn't go after a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. or maybe they did and I missed it? But uh, why do you think they may not have pushed as hard for him uh, this offseason? Because I think they felt like they had other areas, specifically the back end of that starting rotation, that it was more important. You have enough good sure. players on this team offensively 
that even if center field is a bit of a weakness, you'll still probably have a really solid above average offense. You needed to add that depth pitching and, you know, we'd love for major league teams to operate on an unlimited budget. I don't think that that's what was in front of Dave Dombrowski this offseason. I mean, Jackie Bradley hasn't signed, but by all indications, he's looking for like a four-year deal. He's just he, he's past the stage mm-hmm. of his career where that's the type of deal he would get. So I know he has yeah, the past connection definitely. to Dave Dombrowski, but um, to, to this point, I, I wouldn't have signed any deal like that with him. Sure, and uh, you brought up Kingry, and I think Austin actually had a question regarding Kingry, uh, if you wanted to ask that, Austin. So for this question regarding Kingry that Austin asked, I'm just going to read it right from our album. Not too long ago, Scott Kingry was given what seems to be a premature contract of six years, $24 million. Uh, He hasn't gone exactly off to start his career as most Phillies fans had hoped for, and on paper appears he's on the outside looking in when it comes to the starting lineup. It does seem like the plan once again for him to be a super utility player a la a lesser Ben Zobrist. Do you believe what we've seen out of King River the last few seasons and what the Phillies are likely to get going forward, or do you think he could still develop into the players into the player that fans once thought he could be? Uh, additionally, what do you think he has to do going forward to secure his roster spot in the organization for his foreseeable future? Well, if Scott Kingery was like Ben Zobrist, that would be a godsend. Ben Zobrist, there's a reason people were asked, every contender for a while tried to acquire Ben Zobrist at the trade deadline because he has that, t- he, he could play so many different positions and was excellent in those roles. The same for Kike Hernandez, what he's done with the Dodgers. So I, I never understood why people were so hell bent on Scott Kingery playing second base. Second base is a pretty replaceable position having that guy that can play all over the diamond and I think he's as good in center field if not better than at second base anyway so uh, I think if you get someone that provides flexibility that's tremendous but this is a, a key year for him because whatever contributed to it two of his three MLB seasons have not been good additionally uh, what type of player does Tim think uh, Kingery could be for the Phillies this upcoming season and going forward. Well, I think when Scott Kingery was coming up through the minors, expectations got a little bit out of control with comparisons to Dustin Pedroia and Chase Utley, and that I, I don't think was ever realistic. So, I yeah, I think Scott Kingery can be a solid contributor at the major league level and a, a starter that plays six out of seven or eight games, but I, I don't think he's going to be an all-star necessarily. Yeah. Uh, and... We'll touch more on uh, trade deadline in a, in a few minutes. Uh, would Do you think Kingery is a, a player that if the Phillies are trying to make a move uh, to land a bigger name at a trade deadline, that he's the t- a type of player that they would be willing to part ways with? I guess it would depend on the player and it depend how Scott Kingery is playing. But in the right situation, I wouldn't imagine he's completely off the table. But... Uh, I mean, right now you'd be selling low on him. And I think a lot of us, all three of us included, it sounds like, believe that he can be better than what he's been to this point. So we'll see. Because the deal that we were talking about, like the deal right now, people will look at it and say, oh, maybe they paid him too much. But if Scott Kingery ends up being a regular contributor every day for five or six seasons, that deal is going to be highway robbery for the Phillies. So. Yeah, you, you just kind of want to balance those things. Yeah, I fully agree about that deal. If he can turn into uh, 
a quality, uh, especially at the plate, uh, hidden uh, utility guy here, uh, maybe hitting in that 260, 270 range even. Doesn't have to produce a bunch of power, but some power uh, and can uh, hit in clutch situations, I think it would be a steal for him. Uh, also talking offensively, uh, one guy who at times has been frustrating has been Reese Hoskins. Uh, obviously, he by by no means, means is he a bad player or is a has been a, a full disappointment. But like King, we've seen stretches where he is one of the best power hitters in baseball. And then there's stretches in which it seems like he's completely lost at the plate. It it does feel like some Phillies fans have always thought he could return to what he did his rookie season, not to that level necessarily, but see more consistency power-wise. Do you think what we've seen out of Reese the last three seasons, even though last year was really kind of a half a season, uh, do you think what we've seen in those two and a half, three seasons is what we're probably going to get going forward? Or do you think he can take his game to another level still and maybe get back to what we saw to a point his rookie year? Well, I think even over the last two and a half to three seasons, we've seen a completely different player for those stretches uh, at at different times. So he's a player that's going to get on base a ton. He's going to hit for power. He has a a lot of value, I think. I I do think he is much more geared to be a DH than a first baseman probably. But offensively, I think if you get the player that you got in 2018 or in 2020, he's someone that can hit in the middle of your order for you. He's going to get on base. He's going to provide power. You'd like his uh, cold spells not to be as cold. But uh, I I think some of the thoughts about Reese Hoskins have gotten a little carried away. Reese Hoskins is a solid, solid major league player. I I fully agree. Uh, And I guess last thing with this uh, lineup, Alec Bohm last year came on. He looked really good at times as a rookie. Uh, This season, the Phillies are going to be a team that is contending and is going to be in the race down to the wire. How big of a factor do you think Alec Bohm needs to be in this lineup for them to be in the race. Do you think he can struggle and they could still be good? Or do you think he's going to need to have a pretty solid second season, first full season here? I expect him to have a really good season offensively. Um, the, the biggest question to me is defensively, because he was uh, objectively not good at third base last year. So figuring out whether he can stay there long-term or you need to move him elsewhere is one of the main objectives of this season. But offensively, yeah, I think immediately he stepped in last year and was an excellent run producer. And if he unlocks his power, he's going to be, at least offensively, a superstar. So uh, I'm interested to see if he can do that. JT Real Muto was talking yesterday about how excited he is to see what he what, uh, Alec Bohm could potentially do in his second season. So uh, I think there's a lot of optimism about Alec Bohm, at least offensively. Probably getting tired of all these interjections, but here Austin asked about Alec Bohm's power potential and what he showed last year in a few flashes. Well, and one of the things I I wrote an article about this earlier this week is he hit four home runs, which you need more out of him, but the four home runs travel an average distance of 411 feet. So when he was hitting home runs, 
They were bombs. So if you can unlock that on a more consistent basis, and he is someone that can hit 297 with 30 to 35 home runs a year, you're in a great place offensively. And talking about Boehm here, uh, and you mentioned uh, with the Hoskins DH, obviously the DH isn't uh, in the NL for this season. If it gets added in the future with the new CBA coming up, do you think we could see Boehm make that shift to first base and Hoskins perhaps come become an everyday DH in the future if that were to happen? I think it's possible. I, I know it wasn't what the Phillies planned to do this year if the DH returned, and it's yeah. not what they did last year when they had Jay Bruce and Phil Gosselin do it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think long-term Alec Boehm is going to stick at third base. He did look good at first base in the few games he played there last year. I also think the idea of trying him in left field is a possibility at some point too. And Andrew McCutcheon comes off the books after this season. So it's definitely something to monitor and an interesting storyline for Alec Bohm this season because the future offensively, even if you don't know exactly how much power he's going to hit for, you feel really good about Alec Bohm offensively. Defensively, you're really not sure still. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I know it's really hard to judge what they're going to do at the trade deadline because there's a million things that are going to have to happen uh, before then, and that's going to play in this a bunch. But let's say trade deadline, they're a contending team, as I think we all agree at the trade deadline. This team uh, very well should be in the playoff race, uh, be whether it's the division or wild card. If, if they are maybe a player or two away uh, from giving it a good run in their mind. Do you see them this year being willing to go out there and make a trade or two that could potentially put them over the luxury tax? Or do you think they're still going to be very mindful of that luxury tax as we've seen in the past? I think it would depend whether they are competing for the second wild card spot or if they can legitimately win the National League East or even if they can't win the National League East, if they can comfortably win the first wild card spot, then yeah, sure. maybe. I mean, one way or another, you're going to probably make an addition if you're above 500. But yeah, a juicy, notable addition, you're more likely to do that if you think not only can you make the playoffs, but you can make some noise once you get into the postseason. So uh, center field, relief pitcher, back at uh, another middle of the rotation starter. Those are the type of things I think you would look at in that situation. Yeah, I have two final questions, but Austin, do you have any other uh, questions that you have? I, I feel bad. I've been taking up most of our time. Almost done with these interjections, folks. But I hear Austin discussed about how the Phillies bullpen last year really was the source of most of their struggles. And if you if, if the bullpen was even a little bit better last year, the Phillies may have been a playoff team. And how since they upgraded the bullpen this offseason, uh, perhaps there is a bit more optimi optimism going into this year about what the Phillies could do, especially considering they're off. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that that's kind of one of the optimistic things. If you assume that you're going to have three good starters and the lineup is at least as good as it was last season – then if the bullpen is just middle of the road, you're a playoff team probably, potentially. Absolutely. I, and I guess with that, what do you think are reasonable expectations for this team 
as we head into a spring training first full squad workout on Monday, uh, which is probably when this podcast is going to go up. But what what are your reasonable? What do you think are reasonable expectations? I think reasonable expectations would be to hope that they can hang in the National League East race, but kind of probably more realistic is hope for one of those two wild card spots. And if they're going to land one of those two wild card spots, what do you think are going to be uh, one or two things that they are absolutely going to have to do or is absolutely going to have to go right for them this season? Zach Eflin is going to have to emerge as a, or continue to emerge as a legitimate number three starter for the team. And the, the bullpen is going to have to not be what it was last season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I fully agree. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, thank you again, Tim, for coming on the podcast and doing this with us. Uh, where can our listeners uh, find uh, you on Twitter and your work? Uh, at Tim Kelly Sports on Twitter and Facebook. And then uh, my work is on philliesnation.com and radio.com. All right. And we'll be sure to uh, leave all those links in the description as well as when we post this podcast. But thanks again, Tim. And uh, perhaps we'll check again in sometime during the season. No problem, guys. Best of luck. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Cheesesteaks and Southern Little Podcast. I know it wasn't a perfect episode. We had a couple uh, errors, obviously, with Austin's recording, but we'll fix all those out uh, and make sure we have a, a podcast ready to go uh, normally next time. And we thank uh, Tim once again for a great interview. Uh, we appreciate his time. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whether or whatever uh, platform you're listening to. Uh, if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that would be great, too. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. At in 700, you can find us on Facebook in the 700 as well. You can also follow us individually on Twitter as well. You can find our individual Twitter handles on the podcast Twitter account as well. Uh, but other than that, have a great weekend. We'll be back with you just in a couple of days uh, to talk about Philadelphia sports. Uh, most likely going to be focusing on the uh, Sixers and Flyers, though. We will have to talk about the Carson Wentz trade. We actually. Also recorded an episode for that, but uh, we had similar errors as today. And, uh, well, you can't just have a one-sided conversation with those. But either way, uh, thanks again for everybody for listening, and you'll hope from us real soon.